Hi, I'm Nathan Riley, the Holistic OBGYN. I knew that I wanted to change the maternity care model in the United States from early in residency training. I have now ventured out of the corporate medical space entirely to lend my support to this task. This podcast is a 501c3 and will feature important voices in the women's healthcare space, as well as present a more holistic approach to meeting the healthcare needs of women. If we want to see lasting structural change, then it's critical that we empower women to reclaim their vitality rather than merely treating their disease. We also need to support the reinstatement of the midwifery care model as the standard. Midwives, doulas, mothers, fathers, women, and witches, you have my support. Now on with the podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Holistic OBGYN. This is another one of my shorter episodes, but pithy, substance-full, especially because of who I'm talking to today. Um, her name is H- Nicole Hybrider. Did, did I say your name right? Hybrider. You can. This is a, a rather crass way of saying it, but it's like a vibrator, but with an H. So Hybrider. Oh, there we go. Now I can't get that out of yep. my head. Thanks. <laughs> Nicole Hybrider. Hybrider. Um, <laughs> I'm going to let her do the introduction because she and I both connected right before we started recording on the fact that neither of us really knows how we know each other, but she has a good idea as to how the conversation got flowing. And I think that's kind of the magical part about this. So we're doing three things with Nicole Hybrider. Um, Hybrider, excuse me. Um, Nicole, hello. Hi, Tell everybody about yourself. Thank you. It's so great to be here with you. I Um, among many people I know, adore you and respect you so deeply. So it's a privilege for me to be here. So thanks a lot. Likewise. Um, Likewise. And yeah, how we know each other, I think, is a rather interesting story because it was very organic and also very supported by the universe. So I believe I heard an interview that you did on somebody else's podcast. And because you were talking about being both an OB doctor and also a palliative physician, I immediately felt this kinderness because at that time I was working one day a week as a labor and delivery nurse and one day a week as a hospice nurse. And I, I actually didn't and still don't know anybody else who's doing that work side by side. So when I heard the interview that you did, I felt, man, I, I I need, I need to connect with this person. So I reached out to you and you very graciously responded and um, I think we had a couple of emails back and forth and then, and then it just sort of naturally ceased away. And then about a year after that, I think for both of us, there were about five or six mutual acquaintances that we have that said, Hey, Nick, do you know this guy named Nathan? You two should connect. You have so much in common <laughs> and you two are such kindred spirits. You guys should get to know each other. So then, then I believe there were many people that put us in touch after that. Um, yeah. And it probably would be sweet for us to acknowledge um, probably one of the bigger connections is our mutual friend, Amy Wright Glenn, who yes. um, yeah. sort of also like paired us in a way to, to connect with each other on a collaborative project. So I feel like it was you and I and then the universe colluding to make sure that we <laughs> were on this path together. It's a little nudge. A little nudge from the universe never ha- never hurts. And actually, a nudge from the universe is how I got fully out of the conventional system myself. It wasn't really by choice, but I certainly was manifesting it. It's happened with OB. It's happened with hospice. And now I have the liberty and the privilege of just connecting and really working with people like you. So yeah. um, we'll talk about some of your projects at the end and how 
everybody, including myself, how we can support you. And of course, it ties in directly with what we're going to be talking about today. So let's do our big deep breath. Do you want to guide us on the big deep breath? I do this before every single session. I would love to. Um, so for, yeah. for our deep breath, we'll breathe in for four and try to exhale for the count of five. So just an ever so slightly elongated exhale to help our parasympathetic Beautiful. system engage us in our in our present moment. So I'll, I'll count as people inhale. So inhale through your nostrils. One, two, three, four. Retain, hold it for just a second. And then slowly exhale through your mouth. One, two, three, four, and five. And maybe even roll your shoulders just a little bit with us. Mm -hmm. Hmm. It feels so good to just breathe. Even just one giant deep breath is so resetting. And I told you, I, I'm not feeling, I'm kind of under the weather today. Um, and uh, all these little practices actually make me feel better. Even just seeing you and doing this makes me feel like alive again. So thank you. I feel the same. I feel the same. I have a birth doula workshop that is starting in about two hours and I can feel a little bit of the nervousness, you know, is, is everything perfect before we start? And I feel the same mm. that just being with you is like a little bit of a bomb for my own. Yeah. Um, yeah. For my own feelings. So it's mutual. Yeah. Well, we'll get those pre-show jitters out of the way. Your pre, your pre-workshop jitters out of the way. Nicole, for you, I have the same question I have for everybody who comes on these episodes. And by the way, if we find a topic that everybody's like, yes, 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 we can always come back and do a longer interview to dive into the topics. This is really going to be like a little taste of Nicole. <laughs> and I don't think it's going to be enough for me. I think it's your points are really, really stellar. So the floor is yours. What are three things you want the world to know about? caring for women? Yeah. Well, first, I want to tell you that this is a really hard question to answer for three points. You know, when we were going back and forth through email, I just felt, my goodness, there's, you know, there's so many that are crucial in particular, because I think that our, our healthcare system was not created and expanded with this question in mind. So the thing mm -hmm. for me that I feel really present to is we have so much course correcting to do in our society and in our healthcare system as it relates to the care that female bodied people get that um, it's like, I mean, three is not enough. But as I was thinking through this, I felt like um, from my vantage point, as someone who's worked as a labor and delivery nurse, as a birth doula, and also as a birth doula trainer, that I can speak probably most succinctly to um to three things to know for birthing people, for them to keep mm -hmm. in mind as they prepare for that. So one thing that I'll start off with saying um, that, and, I, and I'll, I'll preface, I know, I know this is a very biased viewpoint, but I really deeply believe it, is that one of the most crucial things a person can do when they're giving birth in a hospital setting is to befriend their nurse. Because quite mm -hmm. frankly, their labor and delivery nurse is really the gateway to increased ice chips, um, straws, extra blankets, extra pillows, um, being able to potentially do intermittent monitoring, being able to get up as much as you want to go to the bathroom, potentially being able mm -hmm. to, to labor in the shower. All of those things, of course, are going to be a team decision, also with the healthcare provider included into that. But it, 
it really is the nurse that is the one coming into your room, hearing a request of a birthing person, and then relaying that to to the to the midwife or the doctor that are out in the hallway or dealing with other patients. Yeah, yeah. So I guess to contrast that with a lot of uh, you know experiences I've had in the hospital, you know, I may have. I mean, I've got a. I've been to a lot of births. I mean, even just in training, you go to like a thousand births. So I mean, that's probably an embellishment, but. Um, you get to know which which nurses tend to be the friends of the staff, right? So you know, like, oh, that nurse, all, their patients always love her. So even yeah. as a provider, I was like, let me watch what she's doing, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because they're always like writing them them accolades, you know, on the bulletin boards and whatnot. And so, it, in contrast, you might have that same nurse who goes into a room and a patient comes in defensive and and as if the nurse is coming to do things to them. So I guess it is a it is a sort of a, a narrow, narrow path there, right? Because of course you go in and you, you know, you hear about some of the bad things that happen in hospitals and your autonomy taken away and all this, but maybe it, it maybe if you have to be in a hospital for your birth, maybe it would just be helpful to go in with a completely open mind and open heart as to who the person is going to be caring for you. And maybe, maybe they share a lot of your values. So open the door to that possibility and Absolutely. Life gets better for everybody. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I have I have a couple of things I'll say to that. One is um, I I appreciate you as a physician acknowledging that. I, I feel like I was one of those nurses. I know when I would do um, a lot of the nurses that I work with would always say that they hated taking patients from me during change of shift because my patients would often be like, "Wait, but can you just stay longer? Or, you know, can can I can you be reassigned <laughs> to us when you come back in the morning?" Um, which is such a such a beautiful thing as mm-hmm. a human being to have mm-hmm. a job where I could have that connection with someone. So I always felt very honored yeah. with that. But one thing that I'll say, uh, I I do agree with you that there is such discrepancy between the kind of care that nurses provide and the kind of care that physicians or midwives provide. So I do agree with that. But I actually do think that for some of those nurses that are perhaps seemingly less compassionate and less tender in their care, that oftentimes the reason why they're less tender in their care is due to systemic issues that are going on on the unit, being short-staffed, having equipment that doesn't work, um, you know, being on a 12-hour shift and you're on you're on mm. hour nine and you haven't gotten a lunch break. So I think that those kind of things. So I highlight that to say that if you are... Um, a, a pregnant person or a potential pregnant person listening to this, that that, that for sure you're going to have kind of crusty nurses and you're going to have more like birth loving, you know, like want to just be in with you and support you. But I think that even the ones that seem a bit rough around the edges can become tender if you can, if you can tend and befriend with them, if you can try to connect with them and yeah. acknowledge mm-hmm. like, hey, I see you coming in. It must be really busy out there. Like, how are you doing? Like just acknowledging their own humanity because one of the basic human stuff. Yeah. 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 Because one of the things that happens in our medical system for those of us that work in it is that our humanity is often not um, a priority. And, Mm. and, and so that's kind of left to you as an individual to work in this system and to kind of maintain your own self, which is hard. I, my wife is is this like emotionally intelligent guru and you know even something as simple as like road rage 
right? Like somebody's waiting a little too long at the green light. So what is what do a lot of people do? At least when I was in LA, like they lay on the horn until the person goes. <laughs> and uh, when I was in training, of course, I was super stressed out. My wife would say, "Listen, maybe they just got back from hearing the worst news of their life, or whatever else. You know, I mean, like let's just provide a little space for them to feel like you're an okay person." to tender to their feelings. And all of these nurses, all of the doctors, everybody in the hospital, they're all humans. They all have their own human problems too. I mean, who knows? Maybe their child's sick at home That's and right. it's just hard for them to see. Or maybe they had a birth trauma them, themselves. And gosh, today just wasn't a good day. Like, let's just give people a break. That's we just right. have so much divisive language and such negativity around so many things and myself included at periods of my life. So yeah. thank you so much. I really feel like that's that's very wise. Yeah. What, what you're saying about your wife reminds me, um, I can't remember the university, but there's a, a beautiful human named David Foster Wallace who mm. uh, gave a speech, a commencement speech, and he talks about that we have to like remind ourselves that we're all swimming in water. And anyways, if anyone's listening to this podcast, Google right. David Foster Wallace and swimming in water, and it's it's like a heart-wrenching, poignant speech, which is just like what you're talking about with your wife. Yeah. yeah. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this awesome conversation. Wanted to tell you quickly about my collaborator program. This program's for midwives, doulas, docs, birth educators, coaches, whoever. I'm inviting anybody who works with women to enroll into this program for a monthly fee. And the way that it works is, let's say on Monday, you've got a patient who has some fertility issues despite working with them through an in-depth functional nutrition program. They're still unable to get pregnant. You want some insight from an OBGYN. You want me to review labs, imaging, et cetera. It's a great opportunity. Then on Tuesday, you've got a patient who, uh, let's say you're a midwife and you're caring for a, a birthing person who just got some ultrasound re reports and you want to know, hey, is this still a person that that you know should be considered a good candidate for home birth, for example? Um, I'll give you recommendations. I'll give you insight. I'll even tell you what I would do. Right, And then Wednesday, you might have a completely different question. So this is a way to keep your patients out of the conventional model if desired and keep them on track for home birth if that's what they desire. Um, or it may just help you better support them if they have to go in for a C-section or whatever else. So there's going to be two levels. There's going to be the silver level, which will allow you that access if you want to go for the gold level. The gold level will include a weekly live Q&A video conference peer review session with all gold level members, including me. Um, and you're going to find some of the nation's best midwives there. And the opportunity here is that we're all engaged in a, an hour long conversation. It will be recorded. If you miss it, you can check it out later through the website. And we're going to be able to post questions and as a group discuss and, and sort of, I don't know, collaborate together as to how to best manage and answer those questions. Um, and of course, I'll be there to provide the allopathic OBGYN insight as well. So um, so that's my collaborator program. When you lock in a, a rate, a monthly fee, that fee will never change for you. Although I will say that the price of this program is probably going to go up as I've had increasing numbers of people reaching out and super interested. So check it out. All the details will be at BelovedHolistics.com. And you can send me questions through the website as well if you need any further clarification. And I think that just about does it. Let's get back to the conversation. Yeah, it's a commencement speech, I think. I, I think I remember seeing that. Yeah. It's a beautifully, just beautifully well said. Yeah. And it kind of tugs at your heartstrings, yeah. of course. Yeah. Okay. So that's a great point. Yeah. Um, 
so so number two that I would say is, is very important, and again, I'm very biased in my in my opinion about this, is I really deeply believe that everybody needs an advocate <clears throat> within any unit of our hospital system, but especially on labor and delivery. So I'm going to say if you are pregnant or if you think you'll be pregnant, please consider and try to do your very best to hire a birth doula. Even if you think you're going to have a scheduled C-section for some medical issue, even you want to have a birth doula walk that journey with you and companion you, companion with you as you go through that experience. I think that um, sometimes that can be hard for some of us to wrap our head around. I know, especially for some people that feel that they're, you know, that that they're very strong themselves and and they have a strong advocacy voice themselves, or they feel like that their partner does if they have a partner. But there really is something that happens to you or to one Mm -hmm. when you are in physical discomfort and you are half naked and other people are fully clothed in a uniform and you're not, and and potentially you're also lying down or like you're in some sort of you know positional difference where they're all like where the hospital staff is standing up it mm-hmm. really creates these kind of psychological discrepancies and power differences and it's very very hard to advocate for yourself when you when you're the one that's half naked potentially exposed and and feeling physical discomforts so I just, anytime I have a friend or an acquaintance, or I even see people that are pregnant, I will just say, do whatever you can to hire a birth doula. If you can't afford one, try to fundraise through friends and family for one at a baby shower or a blessing way. If you can't do that, then try to find some that volunteer because there are a lot of birth doulas that volunteer one or two births Mm -hmm. a year or one birth a month or something like that. But it, it is worth its weight in gold to have a birth doula navigate the system for with you and your partner if you have one. Wow. Gonna pause for that one. Even as a as the partner of a birthing woman myself, and our second is due in a couple weeks, um, having somebody there who's in my corner is so helpful. Yeah. It is really helpful. Um, I can't I can't emphasize your second point enough. I feel like there's a lot of people out there who think, well, my husband will be my birth person. Well, what about your husband? Has your husband ever seen a birth? It's okay if they haven't. It's okay if they haven't. And they're going to. And it's going to rock their world. Like this is a, it's an intense, it's exciting, it's beautiful, it's sacred, it's magic. It's all of the things all at the same time. And having somebody there to be the, just the person kind of stroking your hand in the, in the, in the corner is really, really, really helpful. I've seen doulas do some amazing things. And some of my best friends now are doulas. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I think that there's something to be said about understanding that the hospital staff Obviously, most people I think who work on labor and delivery are a special, a special group of souls. So I, I, I love the people that I worked alongside. You know that I, I know that they're good-hearted human beings, but the reality is that they have they have responsibilities that are charting, 
giving medication, assessing the baby, a fetal heart rate monitor strip. So for better, for worse, the reality is that that becomes their primary job when they're in a hospital setting. And then Mm -hmm. if they can provide emotional support information, like really being able to sit on the edge of the bed and give that informational support and have a slow conversation. Of course, I'm sure that they want to do that, but they're not always able to do that because they have other priorities that they have to balance out. So having a birth doula by your side is a surefire way to have someone who can have slower conversations for you when when someone is in labor, where taking in information and digesting it, metabolizing it can be a little bit challenging and, and take some time. And same with the partner, right because on. you know, even if even if it's a male female partner, they are also going through a birth journey of their own. They're going from someone who was not a parent and then now will be a parent. And that's its own emotional roller coaster ride that they're navigating and exploring. Yeah. So hire a hire a doula. Hire Just a doula. find a way to have somebody there who can support you. That's right. So we have befriend and collaborate with your L and D nurse. Yes. We have hire a doula, regardless of the birth setting, regardless of the planned mode of delivery, so to speak. Um, like your fifth C-section. I've done this before. It might just be nice for your partner who you don't know has been every single time you go into major surgery, they've been freaking out and they've been clenched up and they just need somebody to remind them, hey, you're not alone in this. I love that, Nicole. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe they want someone in the pre-op area to do a 10-minute breathing, Mm. listening to a meditative song or doing breathing with you. And, and, the, the dramatic difference of what it's like for someone to be wheeled back into the OR or to walk themselves back into the OR after they've done 10 minutes of centering, you see it in their oh, heart yeah. rate, you see it in their blood pressure, you see it in the placement of the epidural or the spinal, what we know, whichever they're going for. Like it, it is, there is a massive difference. And of course, maybe all of us might be thinking like, well, why can't, why can't the, why can't the nurse do that? And again, because the nurse has a lot of other responsibilities going on. So just hire a doula. Right on. Okay, we're to your third point. I mean, these are so succinct, such easy ways for people to care for themselves better in birth. Your third one is also related to birth. So what's that one? Yes. So the third one is something that has, um, has been, I feel has been revealed to me over the past 15 years of being a birth worker, because I I myself personally have not given birth yet, although I hope to soon enough. But I think I started as a birth worker, as a birth doula, not entirely, if I'm honest, understanding the magnitude, the psychological magnitude of what it means to give birth and what it means Mm -hmm. to transition from maiden to matron, from non-parent to a parent role in life. So what was revealed to me is this understanding that giving birth most likely is going to be one of the top three most intense experiences of someone's life. And it's entirely okay that it is that intense. It doesn't mean that it's pathologically intense. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with it, but it might mean because of that level of intensity that it does take you months or years to really wrap your head around it and to really assimilate that into 
into the new you and in, in, into the new you that you also birthed as you were birthing your child. And, and I think that we as a society have done an incredibly poor job at, at supporting that way of consciousness around birth, like that way of framing our minds around it. There's, there's so much of this mentality of like, give birth, and then you've got three months, potentially three months to be at home to do breastfeeding and bonding. And then you have to like, go back to work and get back on the treadmill. That is our social contract that we're, they know that we've all agreed to that we're in. Some of us try to get out, but most of us are in it. And so what I saw time and time and again with friends and with clients over these last 15 years is that so many, so many birthing people have this innate feeling of like, wait, but, but what just happened to me? And, and, I, and I don't, I don't know what happened to me. I want to talk about it. I want to process it. I want to explore it. And they don't have a lot of avenues to do that unless they get hyper-focused and, and, and they're privileged enough to seek those things out, you know, but, but there is no, there's no like, okay, when you go for your, for your post-birth six-week checkup with your provider, there's no part of that time that's like, let's sit and talk about what just mm. happened. Let's talk mm-hmm. about how you felt, how you had that moment when you felt like you might die which is a quintessential mm. part of the birthing journey that it, that is that is actually to be welcomed and to be accepted and to be honored because it is getting close to that that feeling of I'm going to die that yeah the old you does die and then you give birth to your child and birth to this new version of you but there's there's not a space to really process that with a midwife or a doctor maybe potentially some midwives probably more home birth midwives but you know going in to like a regular 15 minute postpartum checkup, that's likely not what's going to be talked about. And I see that as a real, um, like, like, like an illiteracy that our society has, that is also a way in which our society really stinks at honoring um, at honoring these life stages and, 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 and honoring like our own humanity in these big shifting situations. Sorry, that's my cat's tail. Was that a cat? Yes. <laughs> this is, this Heard is some purring. Oh, no, honey. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. That's Hermes. He has to be a Hi, part Hermes. of everything. <laughs> I'm glad you're here, Hermes. Yeah. Um, gosh, that was, I feel like I need to take a pause after each of these. I mean, you speak so beautifully about birth and I, I I have to, I have to say, or at least ask, I wonder if your experience with death has helped you understand that experience of birth. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, it did. Um, my cat's back on the desk. (laughs) Um, yes, it, it did. What well in in some ways what working as a hospice nurse and then an end of life doula helped me see is just how th- those level of of intense experiences don't just affect the person that's immediately going through it but they affect the entire loved ones and then in that sense they affect the society and the community that yeah. we're all living in. 
I don't know any community that I've ever been a part of that hasn't been affected by um, someone giving birth in a, in a, that had a positive birth experience or a negative birth experience. Like it, Mm. like, of, of course, of course it does uniquely happen to that person, but the story of it affects all of us. And then we're all, you know, a part of that meal train or we're all a part of that, um, of that journey in that first year trying to make sense of it. And I think that's also the same when it comes to someone dying. And again, I think we all, I think, I think many of us can acknowledge that we live in a very grief illiterate society. And, and because of that, when someone loses a loved one, they're often kind of left like staggering in the forest afterwards, you know, like, what do I do? And where do I turn Mm -hmm. to? Traditionally, of course, many of us uh, or many people in society belong to a, um, some kind of organized religion. And so th- there, you know, there was sort of like an elderhood built into that structure to help mentor people through those yeah. life transitions. But I think now that, um, now that, now that most of us don't belong to some kind of organized religion, we don't have those elderhoods built in and we're not getting that mentorship. So so that's that's a big commonality that I see in, in the journey yeah. of grief, the journey of approaching one's end of life, and then also the journey of of becoming a parent, the beauty, the fear of that. Yeah. 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 So for something as intense as you know, an event that can be described, like you said, as I don't know if these are your words or mine, but a transformation of spirit. You're stepping through a portal. I've heard many, many, many women say, I feel like I stepped through a portal. I've heard shedding my skin. I've heard, you know, made into motherhood. I mean, we all know that that's there, but the the way that the, the medical system has sort of reduced it to just a medical procedure, um, of course, doesn't pay homage to the the importance and the real benefit to the collective trauma in our society of storytelling and ritual. Um, and we're lacking it in death as well. So, I mean, again, I know you well enough. Like I, I, uh, could have like plucked that idea out of your head and say, that's Nicole's idea. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love everything you, you just said. And I also want to add on to it that I think the way that our medical system has this reductive view of birth and death, that they're just these physical journeys, you know? So like mm-hmm. birth is just a physical experience. Death is just physical. As long as someone has a pain-free death and they had a good death is so reductive. It's such BS. And, and another, so what I'll add on to your statement is that that is not only damaging to the people and the loved ones in that experience, but it's also damaging to the providers that are involved in those situations because all of us are human beings and you can only numb yourself and act like a robotic doctor, nurse, midwife for so long, because all of us have a deeper knowing subconsciously of like, wait, something's wrong with this. Like, like, Mm. like something's wrong Mm -hmm. with the fact that I only have 15 minutes to talk to this person at their prenatal or something's wrong. Let's say as a hospice nurse that I only have an hour visit to do a death follow-up visit. Like we know, we all know that something's wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, I was applauding on my end. I was giving you a golf clap to not clap too loudly over you. Um, I actually think that to add on to that a little further, I mean, we could write a book about this, but the, actually somebody sort of did. Her name's Lauren Hall. She's at, I believe it's one of the New York 
prestigious New York colleges. I think she's at maybe maybe like RIT actually, Rochester Institute. Um, she wrote a book called The Medicalization, um, so called The Medicalization of Birth and Death, and and she describes this fairly well in there. But she's like, in the academic world, nobody's doing, nobody's talking about this because in the academic world, we really are still so focused on the the vital signs, healthy mom, healthy baby, and blood loss. Mm-hmm. Well, if you go to the, your your OB visit afterwards, I as an OB, I saw a thousand postpartum visits. It did a, did a, a thousand of those visits and speculum in, punch their belly, ask about breastfeeding screen them for depression and they're on their way and you have another patient waiting waiting right next door. This is not a criticism of the provider. This is that the system itself, even though all the people working inside disagree, the system itself has has um, habituated us to this uh, this notion that there's only a physical reality here. Mm-hmm. Even though we all know you can't measure love, you can't measure consciousness, you can't measure experience. That's right. And when a person's in birth, they might as well be on a on a, a psychedelic journey where they come out of it. And it's the infallibility of the process is something that impacts not even people who had traumatic birth, but even the totally normal, physiologic, natural, medicine-free, blah, blah, blah childbirth, mm-hmm. right? It still requires some integration afterwards. Yes. And we don't, we don't, we don't do that. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I love that aspect of it that yes. Even if it was the most beautiful birth, it still requires integration. And I think that we could say that so so much of our life and so much of our society requires integration and and kind of a little bit of mentorship. That's that's the something that in the past couple of years that I've become really aware of. And and we don't get that. And and I think what it's gonna take is some of us who maybe didn't get it, but who yearn for it to start stepping up and providing it. And I think that there yeah. are little pockets of that happening here and there. And there and there are movements to to change the system while those of us trying to work outside it with a foot inside, you know, it's like it, it takes like the you know, fighting the war on all fronts is what it's gonna take. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, Nicole. So obviously we need to do a longer podcast at some point and talk more. Um, those are th- three very clear points. So we'll put them in the show notes, including David Foster Wallace's essay. Mm. Is there anybody else? And actually I'll put Lauren Hall's book in there too. She'll appreciate that. Yeah. Can you um, put the link to David Foster Wallace's speech, like his voice saying it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to, I'll put the, I'll, I'll do the YouTube link. There's like a little video that yes. his voice is overlaid. Yes. It's so beautiful. It's yeah. so beautiful. What else do you want to put in the show notes? What else do you want people to know about you and what you're working on and how can we all support you? You're doing great work. Thank you. Um, well, the biggest thing for me right now is that um, in the last couple of years, I've created a course that I'm really, really, really like radically proud of. It's called Resiliency for Birth Workers. And it's a course that I created that that is sort of like the cumulative knowledge of all the things that I did as a birth worker for the last 15 years to keep my heart open while I was doing the work, which is which is rather challenging um, in our current birth culture. So it's called Resiliency for Birth Workers. People can Google that name and it'll come up, or they can go to my website, which is gracefulfusion.com, gracefulfusion.com, and then you can find Resiliency for Birth Workers there. But I created the class for any birth worker. So medical student wanting to be an OB physician, uh, OB resident, ob gyn attending, labor and delivery nurse, midwife, birth doula, um, midwifery student, labor and delivery student nurse, like, you know, who want, who knows they want to go on, yeah. 
So I really kind of created it with all of our roles in mind. And it actually is my, is my, is my strongest desire that we get a lot of people from those different roles taking the course. And I've, I've already offered it once and it was magical. Like it was super magical. I had labor and delivery nurse, labor and delivery nurses, um, will be attending physicians, midwives, birth doulas, and our weekly calls were, were like transformational for all of us, you know, little, little bit of like saying like, I don't agree with that. This is my perspective. This is this, but just having those people involved in conversations where they're talking Mm -hmm. with each other and not just at each other was, was like transformational for all of us. So that's a big Mm -hmm. thing that I'm, that I'm offering right now. Um, I, I just started promoting the course this week and people, um, can sign up for the course The I'll stop selling the course on October 20th. And then the course will officially start on October 27th. So if you're listening to this and it is not yet October 20th, 2021, please go to my website and sign up for the course. Cause I really want as many people in our industry to take it as possible because, there's so many labor and delivery nurses, midwives, OB doctors that I know, and doulas that I would say are sort of the best, like, you know, like they're the ones that you want taking care of your loved ones and they are dying in burnout. They are, mm. they are just like, have a cloak of, a cloak of burnout that is surrounding them. And I really see it as an epidemic because we're soon going to start and I think we are like losing the best OB doctors and losing the best labor and delivery nurses and losing the best midwives because they don't feel like they can work in this system anymore. So yeah. I, I implore anybody listening to this to go to my website and sign up for resiliency for birth workers class. The other thing that I'm doing is I, I, I teach birth doula workshops. And now in this time of COVID, I teach them virtually. So you can also go to my website, gracefulfusion.com and sign up for one of my birth doula workshops. And I would encourage you, even if you're a person that's soon to be expecting, if you are pregnant right now, or if you're the partner of a pregnant person, that also I've had a lot of those people signing up for my birth doula workshops. And they say that it was 100% better for them to take that than it was taking a childbirth education class. So if you are at all interested, I encourage you to go to my website and sign up for those And then the other thing that I'll just mention is that I'm also an end of life doula trainer for a beautiful organization called Inelda. And I really, I have a a deep belief that I think that everyone should take an end of life doula workshop, even if you have no interest in becoming an end of life doula. But I just think that those are life skills that we didn't get, that we didn't get mentored into. And I think that anyone can benefit from taking that because all of our lives are going to be touched by death if they haven't already. So mm. knowing that is, will, will benefit you. So those are that's another direction that I would point people in. And potentially you can take one of my workshops. How many hours do you have in your day? <laughs> and what's your excuse, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well. Wow. Wow. I f- I. I I will say, though, um, that I feel like I'm one of the luckiest people that I know, because um, while I don't 
let's say, while I don't make so much money and I'm, you know, struggling to pay my student loans and, and to get by like many people are, um, and, and, and maybe aren't going on the vacations that I wish I could, or, you know, doing that kind of stuff. Um, w- while I may not be rich in that, I feel that I am one of the wealthiest people that I know in the sense that I'm doing, I'm doing things with my life that I feel very proud of and very aligned with and, and like tuned in with, like, I, like, I feel like I'm living my Dharma and I'm offering what my soul was meant to do on this planet. So I may not have the kind of financial stability that I wish I had, or that, you know, I'm sure like my parents wish that I had or something like that. (laughs) But, um, but, but I feel wealthy in my heart. And, you know, and I, I think at this point in my life, I feel that's good enough. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's the show. (laughs) Um, Nicole, it's been a real pleasure and thank you for doing the work. And I think we should all be a little bit, um, I don't like envy, but like everybody should, should strive to be doing something that they're passionate about. I, I echo exactly what you said. Um, not making the big paychecks anymore, but I'm so content painting in the morning and being with my daughter and being with my wife and getting to go to bed. And it's actually, even those parts of it make it so great. But also I just resonate so much with the work that I'm doing and with the work that you're doing. So check out Nicole's website and all of her offerings. Um, In the meantime, this is The Holistic OBGYN. Thanks for listening. Love you, Nathan. You're amazing. Thank you so, so much for listening to today's episode. Um, I'm so glad you're here and in alignment with our mission here at the Holistic OBGYN. We are a 501c3. We work by donations. So if you'd like to make a donation, go to belovedholistics.com. You'll also be able to find out more information about um, today's guest and anything else that was mentioned on the show. You can also find out more information about the collaborator program that I mentioned earlier. And again, whether you're a midwife, a doula, a birth educator, a lactation specialist, an an OBGYN, an MD from another specialty, if you need help and support from an allopathic and also holistic-minded OBGYN who's got training in a whole other bunch of stuff we never learned in medical school, please come and find me on the website for a very reasonable monthly fee. You'll be able to interact with me anytime you need some support in the field. And if you want to join the gold level, you'll also have some help with prescriptions. You'll have some help from other people in the space, other midwives, other holistic lifestyle practitioners um, through our weekly live video recorded peer review sessions. I'll of course be there and I'll be able to give my insight, but more importantly, we're going to be holding space for the midwifery model of care and all of the beautiful attributes and contributions that the many great midwives in our country have made to this field and and should continue to make and and lead in this space that does it for today we will see you next time here on the holistic obgyn take care <laughs>